This is February 19th, and this is another edition of the Bruins Beat here on CLNS Media. Well, we're one week to the deadline as we literally, like, almost a week to the deadline as we record this right now. Here's the next episode of Bruce Beat here on CLNS Media. And uh, I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, of course. And, yeah, the, uh, the 3 o'clock hour has just passed here on uh, February 18th as I begin this next episode of the Bruins Beat. And uh, a great person to join us when it comes to NHL trade deadline is on the other line right now with us. And that is Dave Pignota of the fourth period. And Dave, um, first of all, let's just uh, let's let's get off right now. Um, you know, I think we'll jump right into Ottawa. Uh, I want to get right into that right now because right. I, I think that's, that's the most pressing topic. I think you know that when it comes to this trade deadline, right? And, and once they act, yeah. everything else will uh, sort of fall into place. Is that kind of the gist you get as well? Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems like it. Uh, everyone's kind of waiting for for, for the Sens and Pierre Dorian to figure out exactly what route he wants to take with everybody. And, and it, it seems pretty clear that Ryan Dezingle and, and Matt Duchesne are going to be moved. That's kind of the plan unless something changes. And and Mark Stone, it's you know that's kind of what everyone's waiting for. They're they're trying to get him locked up. Um, you know, they they threw out their their last pitch to try to get him locked in, but, you know, we're kind of, everyone's kind of in a bit of a holding pattern. We know the talks with Winnipeg are vibrant. We know that there are other teams like Nashville and the Islanders and a few others that are kicking the tires and, and, and trying to uh, trying to finagle something with Dorian to get Duchesne or, or possibly Stone uh, as well. So, yeah, right now for the trade deadline, all roads are leading in and through Ottawa. Yeah, I would say so as well. And uh, obviously the team uh, close to our listeners' heart here is the Boston Bruins, and I know that they've been scouting Ottawa a lot as well, not as much as Winnipeg, but they have been, you know, putting a, a focus on them. And, and when you look at the Bruins, I mean, it's well known what their, their main target is, and that's a another top six winger to kind of slot into the second line there uh, with David Krejci. Um, I guess a, a twofold question here, and, and they also would like a third-line center too. Um, but you can't get everything you want, as we know. But if you're looking, yeah. <laughs> if you're looking at the, you know, the three players you just mentioned there, Mark Stone, Matt Duchesne, Ryan Dezingle, who makes the most sense to you uh, for Don Sweeney and what he's looking for right now? Uh, I, I think, you know, you, you hit it right there. He wants a top six winger, uh, somebody that, that they can bring into the fold. I think the price tag for, for Mark Stone is going to be a little too high for the Boston Bruins. I think, a guy, and I know they've had some some pretty significant discussions with with Ottawa with respect to Ryan Dezingle. So I, I think that's one of the guys that if, if I'm going to if the Boston Bruins are going to acquire one of these guys, um, and and I had to guess and pick which one it might end up being, I, I would I would I would wager that Ryan Dezingle is, is probably the guy. Um, obviously, there are other teams that that would love to pick this guy up. Uh, Washington Capitals have had talks. There's there's others that are interested in, in Dezingle as well. Um, but but I think with everything that's out there, with with the talks that are ongoing with with other teams, um, I, I could certainly see Ryan Dezingle being a, a a guy that would fit nicely for the Bruins and, and somebody that that I think Boston might have a, a pretty solid shot at acquiring if if, if everything kind of uh, rolls out in their favor. 
You, you, you mentioned that the, the price for Mark Stone might be too high. Uh, the one thing that Don Sweeney has put a main focus in since he became GM is stockpiling prospects, stockpiling the system, positioning himself yep. cap-wise uh, to, to make these big moves right now. W- what would be the price for Mark Stone? And, and based on the amount of prospects that Sweeney has stockpiled, he, you'd have to think he, you know, he's got one of the better offerings in the NHL at this point. Why would it be too high for him? Well, I, I think the price tag for 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 Mark Stone and and Matt Duchesne even uh, are, are pretty similar. Uh, it's effectively three assets. Now, again, this is the asking price. Whether the Senators end up getting it or not, we'll, we'll find that out soon enough. Okay. Um, you can kind of kind of throw Artemi Panarin in the same mix in terms of what Columbus would want um, to to move him, and and it's three pieces. It's a first round pick. It's a top prospect or a, a young player who's either already in the NHL or just ready to take that step and another solid asset. Now that could be another high pick. It could be another high prospect. Um, but, but it's a three prong attack effectively for, for stone or Duchesne. And, and I think the price tag is a little bit higher for stone than it is Duchesne uh, from, from that perspective. So you're looking at a first round pick, uh, a, a, a top tier prospect or, or NHL ready youngster, and another A-level, kind of an A-plus prospect and an, and an A, maybe A-minus, uh, depending on, you know, the, the, the players, that, the other player that's involved. So it's a significant package that Ottawa wants for both of these guys. Obviously, the price for Dezingle is going to be lower. Uh, but, but they're, you know, Ottawa is now in a position where if they're going to move these guys, and it certainly sounds like at least one of them is going to go, as of now anyway, uh, that, that they've got to stockpile their prospect ranks and, and their draft because they don't have a first-round pick. Uh, it's now it's property in Colorado, so that that's that's what they're looking for. Whether you know, I, I, and and you're right, Don Sweeney's done a fantastic job with, with respect to the draft and, and stockpiling top tier prospects. Whether he wants to pay that high of a price for for a player who you know, good chance is going to test free agency at this stage if if they don't resign with the Sens, uh, that that's that's a hefty price to pay. There's no question. Yeah, and you look at Dzingel. I mean, could Dzingel be simply a first-round pick uh, without sacrificing that, you know, borderline NHL top prospect, uh, you know, that's already on the roster, so to speak? Could you could you get him just for a pick? You think? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's going to be that high. I mean, if a team wants to dish out a first-round pick for Dzingel, I, I think that would pretty much seal it, um, or, or come really close to it, depending on on the other interest level, because his cap hit is what's driving his price even more. Uh, you know, 25 goals, he might have a little more. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, fantastic season just coming into his own uh, as, a, as a, you know, offensive threat in the, in the NHL, a consistent offensive threat in the NHL. But his $1.8 million cap hit, that, that, that's, a, that's a premium for, for a guy of his caliber, what he's bringing to the table. Um, I certainly think a first-round pick would do it. If not, you're looking at a second-round pick and, and another asset, maybe two seconds or a second and third or, or something to that effect. Um, but but certainly not as high, obviously, as, as a stoner to shame. Let me see this. I mean, we heard the Bruins – I, I had, had a really uh, good source of mine. I was kind of working it for a while, and, and it was starting to really lean that way that the Bruins and Blues might be on the verge of something um, before, you know, the Blues just went on this amazing run. I'm talking, you know, early January, even late December. Uh how much is the blue? We talked about how Ottawa is affecting the market right now. How much is a team like the Blues, who were seemingly out of it and, and going into sell mode, 
and then, you know, go on this run right now where they're 15-3-3 since January 7th, and they're bringing in a 10-game win streak into their game Tuesday against the Leafs. How much does that change the market and and really legitimately kind of screwed things up for a lot of GMs? <laughs> yeah, it, it did. You know, uh, uh, you, you know, you're talking about Braden Shen. You're talking about Alex Steen, um, uh, Alex Petrangelo, Jay Bomeister, uh, Carl Gunnarsson. I mean, there there were some pieces out there that that the Blues were, you know, they, they were seriously considering moving. And, and guys that, you know, beyond Gunnarsson and, and Bomeister, guys that had term left on their deal, like Shen and, and like Steen, um, they, they were they were right there. And, yeah, everything kind of shifted for them. The coaching change, they got things together with Ruray behind the bench. And, of course, with, with Jordan Bennington mm-hmm. just absolutely playing, out, you know, out of his mind between the pipes for St. Louis. It's been a, a, a storm that's kind of come together positively for St. Louis. Yeah, it definitely affected the marketplace. Now, I, I think that, uh, you know, they're, they're – um, uh, Doug Armstrong, their GM, is still looking at, at some, some certain pieces, but more so at this stage from a lateral perspective, hockey-type trade, mm-hmm. so to speak, versus, versus selling out. It definitely changed the, uh, the marketplace and shifted the attention for other GMs to have to look elsewhere. And if you looked at them right now, what is Armstrong's primary need? Is it up front or is it on D? For St. Louis? Yeah. Uh... I would well, you know, it's it's I, I maybe maybe on the blue line, maybe to solidify things a little bit further uh-huh. for them. Uh, you know, with 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 Vladimir Tarasenko playing better, playing to what we're more accustomed to him playing, with Ryan O'Reilly being, you know, the MVP of that team this season. Uh, for some of the other players that have shifted their offensive game, it's allowed them to spread it out a little bit. Vince Dunn has has performed well. Um, and, and has given them some, some added firepower. And it's allowed St. Louis to spread the offense a little bit, and it's been getting there and, and moving um, and, and clicking in the right direction. I think, if anything, if, if, if St. Louis is looking to buy, you're probably looking on the lower end from a cap perspective, but, but perhaps on the blue line. And a guy like Adam McQuaid out of New York who's got a low cap hit, sturdy defenseman, can play the third pair, and, and be very – yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. very, very responsible. You guys know about him. Um, you know, this is this is a guy that's going to generate a ton of attention, and I could see a guy like that being being uh, a, a player that a team like St. Louis might zero in on. Okay, what about? I mean, I look at the Bruins. I'm just thinking, you know, about the Bruins roster there and what their matchup might be. I mean, would a guy like Grizzly interest them uh, in exchange for a forward? It could, um, you know, it, it, it could. I, I think that the, the, the shift now for St. Louis, because they're back in the swing of things, because they're in third place in their division, um, with with Dallas kind of uh, stumbling a little bit, I, 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 you know, they might be more inclined to wait things out unless it's an impact for impact type guy. Gotcha. Um, that's yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm I'm hearing on St. Louis's front now. Obviously, things can change, and if it's the right package. It, it might convince or might be enough to convince Doug Armstrong to say, all right, this, this is just too good to pass up right now, thinking of the now and the future. Uh, but I, I don't know if, if St. Louis might be going that way. I think they might be more set on, on standing firm, maybe adding a little piece, and then trying to figure things out in the offseason. Gotcha. Well, hey, when I saw you a couple weeks back when the Kings were in town in Boston, uh, up in the press box there, we were kind of talking about how the Kings and Bruins had been linked in trade talks, yeah. and 
you know, some names we were popping pounds around there. Obviously, we had heard Jeff Carter, uh, obvious interest in Tyler Toffoli. Darren Drager on Monday uh, seemed to believe that the Bruins were shifting away from the Kings and specifically those guys there. Um, and specifically to Foley, he mentioned, because the price is just too high right now. Are you hearing the same thing in terms of anything that might be going between the Kings and Bruins? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, we've, we we were able to report last week. We found out that, that um, to Foley was has been effectively told, or not effectively, he was told by Kings management that they're not going to be trading him. Okay. Um, at least not by at least not by the deadline. Now, you know, barring unforeseen circumstances, like if, if somebody comes in and says, "I'll give you Connor McDavid," Rob Blake's <laughs> probably going to change his mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, outside of that, uh, I, I think that Tyler, they, they've made it clear to Tyler, Tyler Toffoli they're going to they're going to hang tight with him, uh, keep him around. Jeff Carter still very much available, still out there. Um, and, and it could be a possibility or a scenario where Boston circles back on Carter's side of things, uh, you know, from a, a potential matchup with, with Los Angeles. He's still available. He's still got a few years left on his deal. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm interested to see how, how things unfold this coming week with, with what happens with the LA Kings. So they've got pieces that are available. Trevor Lewis is out there. Alec Martinez, who's hurt and won't be back until after the trade deadline. Um, but he's been available. They have other pieces out there in Los Angeles. I could certainly see some teams knocking on the door. But like you mentioned, Jeff Carter has been a link for Boston. Uh, they could certainly circle back and try to get something going there if if they find him to be a realistic option over this next you know week or less than that now. One guy we know, the Bruins, I mean, they were open about it too, that they were in on down to the wire and lost out to the Kings is Kovalchuk there. And you know mm-hmm. we're hearing his name again. But I wonder, you know, when you look at how the season's gone for Kovalchuk, and of course it's not his fault what's going on in L.A., but still he, he seems to be missing a step uh, in terms of keeping up the speed of the NHL now. Is Sweeney's interest dwindled because of what's happened this year, or could you see him circling back on that? It wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, there, there are teams that, that have inquired about him, the New York Islanders, Dallas Stars, there, there's other yeah. teams, Columbus, there's other teams that have, that have inquired. Now he was great to start the season before LA made their coaching change and, and gas John Stevens. He was great. He was a point, point of game guy. He was playing, you know, top six minutes. They made the coaching change. Willie Desjardins came in and it just completely changed everything for Ilya Kovalchuk and his season. He's starting to play a little bit more now because really Desjardins hasn't had much of a, of a choice. He's had to play him a little bit more in certain scenarios. Um, but, you know, if, if you want to point the finger at somebody that that you could argue ru- basically ruined Ilya Kovalchuk's season for him, uh, it, it would be it would be Willie Desjardins. He, he can, you know, it, it, he, he ended up putting him on third and fourth line duties. There was a lot of tension there uh, a couple of weeks after the season or after, after the coaching change was made. It's it's smoothed out a little bit um, because he's playing a little bit more certain nights. Uh, but I, I think in, in seeing seeing Kovalchuk perform this season um, and knowing how good he is in the room, how much the players like him, um, how positive he's tried to be throughout the whole process, uh, mm-hmm. he would certainly be a good ad for, for a contender. And he's interested in going to one. He's open to the idea of moving to a top-tier contender. If it doesn't happen now, you can look to see something happen in, in the offseason. But he's willing to move his – or excuse me, waive his no-move if that right uh, – right environment 
present themselves. I, I just see him and Lou Lamb reuniting on the island there. It just makes too much sense to me. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, a team that – another team that everyone's going to talk about uh, is, is the Florida Panthers. And we saw that you tweeted that, you know, they assured uh, Jonathan Huberdeau that he would not be moved. He was not being shopped. That being said, how many times have we heard that and then something happens – but, uh, you know, yeah. that, that's my first question. Could you envision that situation? Event, not now, but I'm thinking more in the summer, eventually happening with Cubido. But secondly, my my thing with them is, you know, they got to be listening. They may not be shopping him, but, you know, GMs are always listening. they got to listen to anything right now, right? The Florida Panthers with the way yeah. things have kind of unraveled there and – I mean, it's just been a shit show for the last four years there. And it's sad because they were sort of knocking on the door and kind of turning it around. And then there was a big disaster with Dale Talon. And, like, they have to listen to anything. They can't rule anything out, right? No, they can't. And teams have called. And, and, and they've been open with you, Bruno. They said, yeah, teams have called. They've asked about it. Okay. Um, but we're not, you know, we're not in a position to trade you. Don't worry about it. At least not now. Now, right. you know, again, something could change in the off season. They could, they could be presented with an unbelievable offer and, you know, they might have to bite on it. But as of now, before the trade deadline, they've told him, look, teams have called, but we're not looking to make a move. We're not looking to, to do something here. Um, so, you know, that how that shifts them uh, in terms of, of making potential moves. I don't know if it affects them that, that much Murph. I think, you know, they have other players that they're looking at. Riley Sheehan, Derek Broussard that they got from Pittsburgh, they're both available. Mike oh, yeah. Hoffman has definitely been available. Um, there have been a lot of calls on Hoffman, and he's got one year left on his deal, but they might want to strike where the iron's hot here. He's having a fantastic offensive season. Might be a good opportunity for them to flip him for uh, some other assets, free up a little bit of additional cap space to do whatever it is they plan on doing. Everyone's got a good idea, obviously, but uh, we'll see what they end up doing in the off season. Uh, I'm sure you're the idea is uh, in, involves two Russians that reside in Columbus, right? Yes, yeah, that, yeah, exactly. They reside there right now, um, <laughs> you know. But yeah, they're, they've, you know, they said it without saying it because you can't fully say it or else it's tampering and yeah. you know, all that jazz. But yeah, Sergey Bobrovsky and and uh, and Artemi Panarin are certainly going to be targets for them. Um, my understanding from a trade side of things, they're still talking. They're still going back and forth and seeing if they can figure something out here. Um, if anything, if I got to throw down some money on one of these two guys ending up in Florida before the deadline, I could see it being Sergei Bobrovsky. Because I think Columbus, I think they've got some options there between the pipes to, to look elsewhere. Yeah. Um, but, but that's going to be the interesting one for me. If they can pull that off, get him signed to an extension, it, it, there's going to, there, there's been, very open dialogue between Columbus's GM, Yarmo Kekalainen, and Paul Theofanos, the agent for Bobrovsky, and now Panarin. There's been a very open line of communication between those two to at least keep him up to date, keep Theofanos up to date on what's happening there in, in Columbus. Yarmo's sitting back waiting for the best offer, and if something knocks him off his feet, he'll jump on it. He's made that clear. Um, but he's not looking to trade him just for the sake of it because they still got their playoff run that they got to focus on. But th- that's going to be an interesting storyline over these next six, seven days. Yeah, you know, t- you talk about uh, he's in touch with his agent there, and it, that's something I brought up with Don Sweet. I mean, we know that Panarin went on the record with Aaron Portsline saying, look, I don't want to talk with anyone regarding an extension yep. until after the season's over right now. Of course, they can kind of dance around it, but – you know, I asked on Sweeney last week when Sweeney came out and told us what happened with Pasternak, 
you know, he started talking about the deadline and stuff. And um, I, I just said to him, I said, look, you know, we, we hear Panarin say that. We, we never see it in hockey, even though it's within the parameters of the CBA, to do a sign-in trade. And I don't know, I'm just, I'm interested in your take. I mean, he made a great, great point. He said, well, I think the main reason, it's not that GMs don't want to do that. It's not that, you know, Yamo Kikulani wouldn't love for some team to be able to do that right now and, and resolve this situation where everyone's happy. But he said the player holds all, all the cards. And, it, and it's hard for that to happen in such a short sequence of time, right? A player's not going to want to make a decision to stay in a city for eight years uh, within a week. He want, he's going to want some time to comp, contemplate it, right? So I'm just interested in your take. Do you think yeah. you get to that point, or do you think this is something that's just going to be, you know, few and far between? It's, it's interesting. It's, it's a tough situation. Yeah, I don't know exactly uh, I mean I think he's kind of made up his mind I think it's clear like you said like you know for for, for Panarin it's test the market right let's see what's out there he wants to you go know, with the yeah. right right and yeah. and he's got all the power to do that it's, yeah. it's totally in his right he's going to do it and and you can't fault him for it um, I know fans of Columbus are starting to boom and whatnot but you know it's, it's it's tough but it is what it is he's still playing for the team if he sat back and said nah I'm you know, he starts lollygagging around the ice. Or yeah, no, he's he's like, nah. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, it's 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 a tough situation for the team to deal with. It's a tough situation for the player because he knows he's not coming back. He's trying to compete as best he can because he still wants to win. Um, every athlete out there, yeah, you know, any any athlete, you want to win. That's mm-hmm. that's the goal. You want to win, absolutely. So you're going to do what you can. Uh, but But for him, he's going to test the market. Teams know that. You know, anybody that acquires him, if, if, if Artemi Panarin's traded by the deadline, the teams know that he's going to be walking. Right. You know, he's not being traded to a team that, that you know, unless it's, it's a club. You know, we know Chicago, there, there have been links that he might go back there. Los Angeles is a team that he would be interested in playing for. And, and yeah. the, the two, you know, the Islanders and the Rangers and, and all that jazz. But if you're those teams – you're not paying a premium for the guy that you can just get for free in, in, you know, in July. So it's a tough situation for Columbus more so than anything. They got to figure it out. If you're a team like Nashville that feels you're, you're this type of player away from winning the Stanley cup, then yeah, you justify paying the price of a first round pick, a top prospect and another asset. You justify it. You get to the cup final, maybe you hoist the Stanley cup and you look back, you go worth it. Um, But for other teams, different scenario. Yeah, and I, I think they're up to something. I definitely, I, I really could see Matt, Matt Duchesne ending up in Nashville for sure. Uh, or maybe on the island. We'll see. I know both teams had interest before. Hey, finally, we're going we're gonna to just ask you two questions we got here from uh, some of our listeners. Uh, Mark uh, Loretti is he's at Cram93291 on Twitter. He brings up the whole David Backus situation here in Boston. And obviously it hasn't worked out, but he's just got such a brutal cap hit at $6 million per. Uh, he's got two. Two and a half years left on that. Well, I guess two and a quarter left on that now. Um, we've talked about some of these teams that Sweeney's in discussions with uh, to make a deal and bring in an impact player. Are any of those teams, say the Kings, say the Senators, maybe the Blue Jackets, if he was to look at maybe getting Panarin, are any of these teams, you think, willing to take on that money from Sweeney as part of a package deal? It doesn't sound like it. Um, you know, maybe Ottawa, at, and this is total hypothetical because 
you know, they're they're two years away after this season from entering what they consider oh, yeah, their their yeah their little five year plan. <laughs> so they got to get to a floor. If they don't sign these guys, they got to get they got to pay somebody uh-huh. when they get to the cap floor. So maybe maybe Ottawa becomes an option. Um, you know, but there are teams out there. Look, I'll, I'll give you this example. Last or excuse me, during the summer. Uh, in, in the off season, the Tampa Bay Lightning were looking at bringing in Eric Carlson. No, yeah. no surprise. Everybody, everybody heard about this, um, but they needed to shed some salary. Uh, Ryan Callahan was a guy that they spoke to the Rangers right. and the Devils about, and a couple other teams about. Hey, if you take on this contract because you've got your little window that you're going through, you're going through a rebuild. Take on this contract. We'll give you an asset to do it—a a, a draft pick or a prospect to eat the guys to, to eat the guy's salary. I could see something like that happening for for Bacchus once the summer hits. I don't anticipate that happening now. I'd be pretty surprised if, if that were the case. But in the offseason, his no-movement clause changes to a modified no-trade. He's got an 18-trade list. There's there's some flexibility there. Um, you know, we don't know, obviously, who those teams are going to be. But, you know, maybe you go to him and you say, hey, there's this team that might not be on your list or, or you know, desired destination. But here's the situation. Otherwise, yeah. they could look at a buyout scenario. Um, but they've got they've already got and a couple. I forget who the other guys are there. They've got like three guys they just bought out in the last four years. So yeah, well, and, and there's a, and then you know there's a cap. You can only do three yeah. guys where you can where you can retain some salary. It, it is Jeremy um, Jacobs, <laughs> right? Right. So, you know, there's there's some factors here. But yeah. it, with respect to Bacchus, I think he's here for, for the season. Um, they could explore that possibility of moving him elsewhere. Uh, but I don't I don't anticipate that happening until the summer. Well, we mentioned David Bacchus there. And, you know, Flourishens are the Athletic had a, a, an interesting article on Monday just talking about the way Bruce Cassidy has had to handle that David Backus situation. I urge you to check it out there, theathletic.com, and, of course, theathleticboston.com. And uh, Fluto Shinzao and Joe McDonald do a great job there, and uh, we are proud to have them be one of our sponsors. And like I've always said, The Athletic has got you, you know, it's got that feel of an old newspaper, which, of course, is such a dying breed now, and it's it, it's great to just kick back and read an article like Fluto's there or like the ones that Joey Mack uh, writes. Uh, you know, whether it be on a Sunday afternoon or at the end of a long day, you know, over a couple of nice toasty uh, adult beverages, um, it's just great hockey reading there. And that's why I highly suggest you subscribe to The Athletic. Um, and if you go there right now, uh, we've got a great deal going. Uh, it's only two ninety nine uh, a month. And, you know, like I said, you're getting really in-depth coverage. You're, you're getting like real stories, not just these quick blurbs, not the way the world's going right now, 140 characters. Uh, you're getting a great newspaper feel. You're getting that old newspaper feel. And it's it just, I, I don't know, how, I, I tell you guys this every week. I, I don't know what to say, but um, this is what you got to do. You got to just go right now, go to athletic.com and use the code Bruins Beat. Uh, that's theathletic.com slash Bruins Beat. You can sign up right there, two ninety nine a month. That's a great deal right now uh, to get The Athletic and read all their great hockey coverage, and you'll thank me later. All right, the final question we got from a listener here, and he said, uh, are there any surprise names of B's interest circulating besides the usual we're hearing? One I had heard about last week, and I tweeted about it, and it kind of made 
a lot of sense to me uh, for that third-line center slot would be Eric Stahl out in Minnesota. We know that his name is bouncing around now, obviously, with their season kind of uh, yeah. going the wrong way and uh, ownership and the GM saying they're open for business twi- trade-wise, even though Boudreaux's not liking that. Um, but does that make any sense to you? And if so, what would it cost the Bruins uh, to get a guy like Stahl? I think Stahl, um, and, and I don't know if they're on his, his desired trade team list or, or if he's on his no trade, if Boston's on there or not. Uh-huh. He's got a 10-team no trade list that he's apparently strategically made. I was looking uh, that up, yeah. He, he put like a yeah. lot of contenders on there, right? Right, because he, he really likes it out there in, in St. Paul and um, you know wants to be out there. But there's some teams that aren't on that list as well, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if he even is approached by – uh, Paul Fenton, their GM, and, and and is asked, hey, look, we know this team's on the list, but they've got a great offer. We're really considering this. Would you consider it? I think you're probably looking at a, at a second-round pick, maybe okay. two, That's or a second-round pick and a, and, and a third-round pick, something along those lines for for Eric Stoll. There, there is other interest in the guy, um, but I, I would I would look at that. In terms of other, other surprise names that I've heard, uh, there's been some talk with the New York Rangers, or at least he's been kicking the tires, Sweeney has. Um, with respect to Kevin Hayes mm-hmm. and Chris Kreider. Now, Kreider's got another year left on his deal. It's going to take a significant uh, offer to, to get him out of New York, but they are listening. And it wouldn't surprise me if another team, maybe the Bruins, uh, look at Kreider as, as oh, yeah. a realistic option and are, and are willing to pay that price. Um, but he's somebody that I've heard the Bruins been linked to. Me too. And then let's not forget the you know the chemistry, obviously, from knowing each other, working with each other with Jeff Gordon and Don Sweeney, and, of course, they pulled off that big deal for Rick Nash last year. Uh, so there's definitely a rapport there when it comes to negotiating a deal. Uh, yeah, I've heard the same thing there. Um, I, you know, just circling back quick to Stahl before I let you go, too, I wonder, we, we said there's a lot of contenders on that list, I wonder if his old team isn't on that list, and if, if it's a cheap price, he's a rental. We know that the owner in Carolina doesn't want to spend a lot of money, but – I'm sure he wouldn't mind making the playoffs. Be a cool PR move. Could you ever see him back in Carolina? <laughs> maybe. Um, you know, maybe that's a and summer just, move. I haven't heard anything. I'm just, you know, it just came to mind. As yeah. Yeah. No. Maybe. Maybe that's a. Maybe that's something that they do. And it wouldn't surprise me. Tom Dundon, the owner, um, he's he's looking for ways of being creative. So it wouldn't surprise me right? if they circle back on him as a free agent. Definitely. I don't know about now. Um, yeah. You know, because I, I I don't think they're willing to pay a price for for a, a rental. I know they're very much looking to move one of their, you know, top defensemen. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see. And and obviously, top defensemen mean Brett Pesci, Justin Falker, or or Debbie Hamilton. One of those guys. Yeah. If they can move one of them and bring in a top six forward, that's what they're trying to do. Um, but yeah, you know what, Murph? I wouldn't be surprised if we see something in the summer where they they go back and say, hey, would, would you mind coming back to Raleigh for a couple more years? Well, you know, and the rumor has it that, that Eric Stahl does have a great knuckleball, so he'd fit right in with the uh, post-game celebrations. You know? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, listen, Dave. Don't tell John Cherry that, though. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, you know what? I swear to God they were all in and out together. With those T-shirts came out way too fast for me to not believe there was something going on there. Everybody right. was- no, could be. Maybe, yeah. Maybe he's getting some royalties on the side. Or I, I mean, when, when's the last time Don Cherry was trending on Twitter, right? So it's like I don't know. <laughs> it all seemed to be too planned, but who knows? Anyways, my friend, always a pleasure. I know you're a busy man. 
good luck in the next week, and then uh, hopefully you get some downtime after, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you down the line. All right. All right, pleasure, Murph. Talk to you soon, buddy. All right, stay another fourth period here on the Bruins beat on CLNS Media. Next time we talk to you, we're going to have some trade acquisitions likely to talk about the Bruins. Uh, we'll talk to you then next week. Bruins beat on CLNS Media. Have a good one. Gina, don't take these